is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brangeo, Frank the Tank, Sam McKee, all with you for the next two hours. Uh, we start the Real Kipper and Bourne show on a sad note. Legendary NHL defenseman Boreas Salming, who earlier this year revealed his battle with ALS, has died at the age of 71. A fixture on that blue line for over 16 years. No question, someone that we look to is our our closest <laughs> to royalty mm-hmm. at Toronto Maple Leaf, Boreas Salming. Yeah, well said. Um, you know, really, uh, I know a lot of heavy hearts out there. Special day or special that he was able to come here to Toronto and sort of pay tribute. You know, I, I said, talking to you before the show, I just said, you know, it, it's unbelievable the timing that he was able to do it. Had it been a week later, who knows if he'd physically have been able. And also, it was kind of like getting to be at your own funeral. And you mentioned that he had said that. Yeah, he did. Um, I I know you know, being part of the alumni that weekend, being down there, uh, he knew he was coming to say goodbye to yeah. the people that have met the most to him, I think, uh, you know, outside his family. And Extraordinary that is, effort. That is uh, the hockey world yeah. on a very big stage. Yeah. And uh, it took all of his strength. We saw that. We saw the emotion that he had. And his teammates had. And... Uh, it was incredibly gut-wrenching to see uh, what he had to to go through just to get to that point. But we shouldn't be surprised uh, based on his career, his early battles to, mm-hmm. to prove that not only that he could belong in the National Hockey League as a pioneer, yeah. first European player to really make it, uh, but then excel. Yeah. As an all-star. Yeah, there is something about, like, effort and, uh, you know, not to trivialize, but, like, the you know, playing through injury. Guy got there and got out on that ice one last time, you know, to be there for, for Leafs fans and hockey fans and to appreciate his uh, legacy and what he's meant to this organization. So, um, you know, uh, there is some mercy, of course, for people who are suffering for him. I don't know uh, how things are going at the end, but just glad he got to be here and be a part of that. Yeah, we're going to catch up with uh, Stu Gavin, who uh, played five seasons with the Toronto Maple Leafs, including uh, all of them with uh, Boria Salmi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Want to get his thoughts on the teammate that he was and the things that he watched on a daily basis. Right. Which, it's, it's hard to explain. And I did not get a chance to to battle much against Borea Salming. And, you know, Sammy, I, I kind of uh, give it to you a little bit on the uh, on the lineup. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you have that he's played 1,148 games in the NHL, but not all with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. Because he played, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 49 games with Detroit. And you know how I know that? No. I scored my first NHL goal, and he was playing against me. Was he on the ice? He, no, I don't think he was on the ice. I think yeah. <laughs> some maybe rookie named Nick Lidstrom made a 
took the dash on that one. No. I'm, not, I'm not sure. Yeah. But Boria, uh, it was uh, his last season, uh, 89, yeah. 90. And uh, it was uh, kind of surreal to see a, a childhood hero on the other side. And, you, of mm-hmm. course, you want to keep your game face on and look like you're playing the part. Right. But uh, it was always that, that part of you said, oh, my God, I can't believe Boria Salmi's on the other side of the ice. Yeah. Yeah, that, that must be an incredible trip. And, you know, they talked about some of the guys in the leagues, like Nick Robertson going out there against Crosby the one day, you know, and Sheldon Keefe saying he went through that when he was a rookie and, and just the experience of playing against your heroes for the first time. And at some point you got to snap out of it and still go play hockey. So easier said than done. I'm sure that was eye-opening. Okay, let's welcome in Stu Gavin, uh, a teammate of Borea's. And while I speak of my one experience of playing against Borea Salming, you had what, Stu, over five years day-to-day with the man? Yeah, my, I broke into the Leafs in 1980 with Borean. And, you know, just uh, keep listening to your uh, first time playing against BJ. But, you know, it's uh, some of this passion about hockey, let alone playing the game, but also just love watching the game. As a younger uh, boy and man, I would watch Borea and the Leafs play and, and uh, you know, marvel at his skill. But when I turned pro, and, and uh, my experience was it was a more of a veteran team. There's a few young guys, and usually the veterans would, you know, go out after the games. But um, Bory was always one guy as a veteran, and he was married and family, but would always include the younger guys and really made you feel welcome and and uh, just a, a really fun guy to go around and, and cared about all his teammates and. Um, as intimidating as it is to step into the NHL as a 20-year-old and all the first being your rookie year, I mean, he was uh, one of the vets that really eased that transition and, quite frankly, made you feel that you should be there and, and welcomed you. And a uh, very, very sad day in the hockey world uh, with the news of Boris passing. And, um, yeah, really, it's uh, after five years of knowing him and keeping in touch with him and having a relationship um, post-career, it's uh, very sad. Hey, for he and his family and for all the hockey community. And, and Stu, um, you know, just to talk about Borea and, and, and the passion, not only did he have for the game, but in life in general. And, and we, knew, we know, Stu, that there were a few nights out uh, that he probably um, enjoyed as much as the next guy. And we've all had those, that, those teammates that they could go out, they could have a few beers or, or maybe a few more, and still the next day... <laughs> Like, go out there and, and skate like the wind or be the best player the next night. And, the, I mean, I, I couldn't be that guy. I knew it. Uh, others knew it. But then there were these guys that were just specimen or, or, or just, like, ultra-talented. But, but Boria yeah. could be that guy. Yeah, he, he, he was that guy. I think of... Uh... When, I, when uh, someone said, what's it like to play with Borea? Other than an unbelievably skilled individual and great teammate and a great leader. And, um, but uh, he was, uh, back in the 80s, there wasn't a lot of physical conditioning. And this guy was absolute ripped and Adonis. And you could just but see all the muscles and the sinewy and his, his tendons and everything in his body. like And... and um, it was like the medical chart where you see what his body looked like, but he was a, he was a Trojan. He was like just a, 
a, a warrior and um you know he would play really hard on the ice uh, back back in those days it was the uh they would call the Swedish players uh, some foul names and, and not think that they would stand up for themselves and, and push back or fight back. And while he didn't fight, he used his body as a battering ram and competed every night, and guys would throw everything at him, but he would give it right back. But he played hard on the ice and competed hard, and we had a lot of fun um, away from the rink. And he was uh, he and others, but Bory was very good at, you know, maybe paying the price a little bit uh, on the road or in, at night, but he would be the guy, even the morning skate, I can remember him coming in, maybe in, where some guys wouldn't be there. He'd say, oh, he'd cough a bit, sore throat, um, literally jump on the ice with his trench coat on, throw the skates on his trench coat, just do a couple laps. To <laughs> <the skate. laughs> he was Batman. <laughs> oh, yeah, jump jump off the ice and, and go and have a good nap in the afternoon have a, and then come back out and be first star that night and just dominate. So, you know, he lived life large, um, and but, you know, he would uh, had a lot of fun, including his teammates, and um, but then competed. He didn't, there was no excuses in his game. He didn't, you know, if he was feeling a little off, even if he was sick or had was feeling uh, a little under the weather, whether it be self-induced or otherwise, he would uh, be competing. So did you have to deal with that in practice then? Doesn't sound like the type of guy that I'd want to be going up against. Uh, did he maintain that that level in, <laughs> against his teammates? Well, he would, yeah, he would compete, especially like guys with Daryl, their best of friends. You know, they would, just their nature, they would compete in practice. You'd see them battling and uh, it showed what it takes to, you know, to get to that next level and stay there. And, and you have to compete, not just in practice, but in the games, and they would do that, and he would do that. But he would also embarrass you. And so often, you know, to try yeah. to go down one-on-one or with his you know, uh, great – he used to stick so, so well and his body so well to block lanes. And and the other – I remember, uh, you know, I'd be – penalty killing so i'd go out on the left point and try to get him and and hug the boards thing and his only play is back down the boards i'm going to block it and he takes a puck whips it through his legs and then goes on his forehand across the blue line for a shot and i'm still hugging the boards at the at the <laughs> at the blue line I mean, he's 10 feet away so he would embarrass you with his skill let alone in practice and many guys in a game we're talking to Stu gavin uh former toronto maple leaf and teammate of borea salming uh, the one thing that was special was uh, the relationship that he had with the fans and, and even the one um, with Harold Ballard, the late Harold Ballard. And we know the, the stories about Harold, but, you know, uh, it wasn't hard to see how people gravitated to this guy, including the owner. Yeah, yeah he uh, he was loved by all. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of stories about Harold and but for me personally, and even with him being the owner of the team when I played there, I never once heard him come down and on really any one of the team teammates he loved to play with the media and spin that and create stories and keep uh, the Leafs uh, front and center and if not on the sports page and, and, the, and, the, and the papers but uh he loved Boria like um um like a son like a lot of us because he he looked up to him respected him but he saw what the compete and he saw his commitment to the team um you know and uh and, and commitment to his teammates and and just competing, trying to win for the Leafs. And uh, back then, it was we didn't have a lot of wins, but he wasn't 
mailing it in or pack it in. He was there every night and led by example. Um, but yeah, boy, or, uh, sorry, uh, um, a lot of people would uh, look up to him. And Harold, for sure, was, I think it was a, a softie. He had some guys that he really loved, and Bory for sure, was one. Hey, Stewie, uh, on late notice, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it. Uh, sad day for, for all hockey fans, just not yeah. uh, Toronto Maple Leaf fans. But uh, thank you for uh, sharing some uh, wonderful memories on Borea Salmi. Yeah, he's the hockey world's at a big loss, but a uh, great, great man, a great warrior, and fantastic teammate. Thanks, guys. Uh, live every day to its fullest. Thanks, Stu. Appreciate it. Former sure. Toronto Maple Leaf and teammate of Borea Salming, that was Stu Gavin. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you, you hear a lot of the, the same things from people talking about Borea, huh? Just like, um, you know, regardless of the conditions, he showed up, showed up and put himself yeah. out there. And, but- you know, Stu made an excellent point. He just didn't show up and take it. He gave it back. Yeah. And that's what I think uh, uh, sometimes gets lost in it a mm-hmm. little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I was old enough to to see the battles against the Philadelphia Flyers and the chicken suite and all of that stuff. Yeah. And he, you know, the, the true definition of toughness for me is just um, – you know, not backing off and not giving an inch off of it, no matter how scared you are or intimidated you might be, mm-hmm. you just don't give up that inch. Mm-hmm. And that was him. Yeah. And he, like, I haven't talked to a lot of the old flyers, including, you know, Bob Clark, but, you know, they learned it. They learned that, uh, you know, you couldn't you couldn't intimidate that guy. You can come at him. Yeah. Maybe you can sucker punch him. Maybe you can beat him up in a fight. But that inch, he ain't giving up. Man, the, the early Swedes had to be tough, huh? I was thinking uh, Borja came across and then Bob Nystrom was on the Islanders. He wasn't rolling over no. for anyone either. Like, you know, I think there was so much pressure and there were so many guys leaning on them. They had to stand stand their ground, you know, to show that they would. The Samuelsons so, were not not tough, that's for sure. So the one thing, thing that I always hear about, and they mentioned it in his, uh, when they did the, the video for him the Saturday night, however long ago that was, where they talked about the ovation he got when he came back playing against against Canada for Sweden, yeah. right? And then yeah. you talked about the relationship that yeah. he had with the fans. That one always stuck out to me. Like, I don't know if there's any player... Like, would Austin Matthews get an ovation in Toronto if there was... A, if their USA was playing Canada? Like, there's just no chance. Like, that is an it, incredible for, impact on the fans. For, um... Again, you, you want to talk about a pioneer? That was really our first international taste because we had already gone through uh, the Summit Series, right? But that was the first time in in NHL history where you had a relationship with someone on the other side. So we knew nothing mm, about the Russians. Yeah. And to that point, we really knew nothing in 76 on anybody else on, at the time, Czechoslovakia, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Finland, the U- U.S., of course, we had some names, but... Primarily nameless opponents. Over, that, over water? Yeah. He was the first one that we knew on another team, and it was that was a passage of we get to cheer for him. Yeah, that's interesting. That's, right? I think that's, that's really cool. We get to cheer for him. That is our first. And now we, we do 
Olympics and World Cups and everybody knows you know, about everybody. Every team, yeah. Well, we, we used to do those. We don't do oh, those yeah. It's yeah, been yeah, many, exactly. many years. Yeah. Do yeah. You get what I'm saying, yes, right? That was the, he was the first one. Yeah. That's interesting. That's really interesting. A little extra connection there. Yeah, well, I, yeah I just... That, that's always stuck out to me whenever I've heard that story and saw that actual ovation. It's very cool. So, um, one of those guys that's just before my time and I just yeah. really wish more than anything he wasn't. Because I, I like... The impact that he made and everything, it's one of those things that gets talked about amongst your era of Leaf fans, Kip, and it just yeah. is something that I don't truly understand, and it's one that I wish I really did. Think, the, just, think these Leafs could use a uh, big, tough, skilled I think I think they might be able to use <laughs> something like that, but I, well, thought, the, I thought Stu was great, the, by the way. Yeah, that was, he was great. That was excellent, and I, what I wouldn't pay to see Borea Solomon taking a twirl in a trench coat. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I got one better for you. <laughs> oh, yes, I got one better please. for you. Um, road trips. Anytime he had a chance... To do stuff like ski. Yeah. And they didn't pack for skiing. Ski. So he's he's skiing. I should ask Dewey about this, but he would ski down the hill in his trench coat. <laughs> dress, I loved his trench coat. Dress, <laughs> trench coat. Oh and then probably his dress pants. Well, <laughs> but you, you kind of need like better knee movement than in a trench. He must have been a hell of a skier to be able to ski in a trench. He, what, what, whatever he could do outdoor, yeah. he absolutely loved. And I, I'm not sure where he was exactly from Sweden, Swedish. but north, north Sweden. Yeah. I don't think we're talking not, Stockholm, not Stockholm here. Eh? Yeah. Uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, sleds. Yeah. And uh, from dogs place- pulling. Corona, Corona, right. yeah. Is that does that sound right to you, Corona? So, I I would imagine that um, you know, Borea in L.A. or at the time L.A. or anywhere yeah. south and sunny probably wouldn't have done it for him. It is funny. There is a always a couple guys in every team who have uh, interests who aren't hockey or that aren't hockey, and that's always strange. It's like you own hockey takes up so much of your time. So when you come across a teammate, is like yeah. I actually like to go do anything other than hockey. It's always pretty unique. Well, we, uh, we've we got a, a good show still, and we're going to continue probably to share some memories on uh, Borea Salming. Gary Galley will be uh, with us in about 22, 23 minutes, uh, former National Hockey Leaguer. I'm sure he remembers Borea well. We'll get his thoughts. And in the second hour, former NHLer and present general manager of the Minnesota Wild, uh, Bill Guerin will join us. Uh, we'll talk to about his team and... Uh, Maybe what uh, the Leafs can expect and out he, of their new tough guy, Ryan Reeves, now a member of the Minnesota Wild. Mm-hmm. And, and Barney knows him. He must love you to come on on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, this is not a fun day to uh, have to do anything. Usually you're just on the couch yeah. having a He must love you. And I, I got I to apologize to you. Uh, I forgot that you're American, you should have the <laughs> well, day off today. No, no. You should be I, off today. I consider myself is, Canadian, for the record. Uh, okay, all right. But my wife is, she's American. Okay. Well, my wife's American, too. Yeah, so but, let's both take the day off. But she she is taking the day off. She's down. <laughs> she, she's with her parents right now. Yeah. Uh, my kids are with her. They're doing the, nice. the Thanksgiving oh, thing. Oh, and you're stuck up here with well, us? Oh, my God, Kippy. I took off Friday. Yeah. You know, you got to be, you got to pick uh, your, your, <laughs> your, your spots. Yeah, yeah. You know, American Thanksgiving or, well, next or we'll Quail Hall. Golf at Quail Hall on a Friday yeah, afternoon. you made the right call. Uh, family or Quail Hall. Next, next U.S. Thanksgiving, we'll get our families together. Yes. My wife will do a big feast. All right. Um, so there you go. And, and we got a lot of listeners, YouTube, uh, our, our podcast, of course. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of, the, all of you uh, south of the border here. I'm so jealous of their 
There's two things I'm really God, jealous it of great. it, and it's their college sports fandom and yeah. their Thanksgiving. Those are the two number one things. Thanksgiving's unbelievable. So cool. I, I mean, know. Wednesday night is the biggest party night of the year in the mm-hmm. U.S. Everyone comes back from university, sees their hometown yeah. friends, and just gets sideways. And, mm-hmm. and just watching the Detroit Lions on Lose. Thanksgiving. What they're, a tradition. They're winning right now. Are they? They're up 22-19 over the Buffalo Bills with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Wow. wow. So they'll lose in heartbreaking fashion, as is tradition. <laughs> there you go. Tradition you is. know who did not lose? Oh, baby. The Toronto Maple Leafs last 320. night. 320. 20 minutes till we mentioned it. Put, putting uh, an exclam- uh, exclamation point on their win is sh- shutting down a 13-game winning streak by the yeah. New Jersey Devils. No small task. I got to give you guys credit. You called it. I thought maybe the the momentum. No, I didn't, didn't call it. You I said call it? I was pissed off. Canada had just lost. I said six nothing. Oh, <laughs> so JB, you're the only one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What score did you give us? You remember? I, I think three two. I three think two in a, overtime. Is yeah. What said. yeah. Did anybody see two one? We should. Yeah, the Leafs because they d up now. Is, apparently, so that's is all it. they do. So. The Leafs are slowly tur- turning into Lou Lamorello's New Jersey Devils. <laughs> Lou's watching this version of the Leafs going, I like, like it. W- That's what like, I'm talking about, we don't, we don't, Doobie. We don't need three goals. Two's enough. You probably need three goals. <laughs> it's not a good plan to score two. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into it. We want to start with uh, Sheldon Keefe and his overall thoughts of the game last night. Let's start there, and then we'll just uh, we'll work off that. All right. Man, I thought we did a good job of it. You know, I mean, obviously it got a little hairy there in the third period with the atmosphere, but it, it was an, an intense atmosphere right from the start of the game. I mean, you know, that's the most engaged I've seen fans here, here in New Jersey in my time in the league. Um, so you can tell they're really getting excited about this team and, and the run they've been on. Uh, I thought our guys did well. I mean, obviously an excellent first period sets us up for success in the game. And then I thought... Uh, you know, we defended really hard all game long. You know, we made one mistake in the third period, ends up in our net. But um, all game, I thought our guys battled hard, defended the middle of the ice extremely well, took away the strength of their game, and uh, I thought we were full marks for the win. Yeah, I think he, he nailed it. Yeah. Uh, it, it. It was hard to get to the net for New Jersey, mm-hmm. and when they did, Matt Murray was there. Made yeah. the saves that uh, he was supposed to make, which is a, a, a common theme now in the National Hockey League. Don't need you to spin off your head. Just right. be there for us. And you know what I, I like about that? So two things. One is for the New Jersey Devils. That's why a winning streak is so impressive is some nights things just don't go your way and things did not go the Devils way last night. Like we'll get oh. to that. <laughs> <laughs> but things did not go their way. On the other hand, I like that Sheldon Keith came out after that game and he didn't go, well, you know, they had like high expected goals in the third period and, you know, we kind of got lucky to get out of that one. We hung on like you're on the road against a great team. Yeah. It doesn't have to look a certain way. You won. You know, I, I like going there and get the win and not complain about it. Full marks, that sort of thing. I thought that was a, a quality post game. I didn't get the feeling like, uh, you know, they, they dodged a bullet last night. They no. competed. They yeah. gutted it out. Um a lot of different factors that uh, went into it, you know. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the 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 engine continues to be Mitch Marner. Uh, the setup goal for Tavares mm-hmm. in the slot, the work that he did. I mean, it's just uh, it's just a constant. And yeah, sometimes the rhythm's off, and he can turn a puck over maybe on a on a rare time. 
But overall, the the intelligence and the uh, consistency out yeah. of his work ethic and being in an ability to continue to be a dangerous penalty killer, um, for me, that it, it, as long as you know and see that Mitch Marner is driving, the Leafs, to me, should be in games. Yeah, you know, I, I thought the play he made on the goal wasn't just that he like outworked a guy, but he read where the play was going to go and then cut off. Yeah. Was it Siegenthaler or Hamilton? One of the two of them. He just cut them off. So didn't have to be yeah. bigger. And that allows him first touch on the puck. It was an unbelievable play. They were um, doing okay. I'd say they're doing not okay today. I thought, yeah. And at the, we were talking like at the blue line where he made the play even to get it down there. Like he yeah. cut him off. He got it down into the corner, wins the battle, falling down. No look on the stick. You know, who's enjoying it a lot. I think is 91. Oh, he's like, can you get but 88 he, off my line he, for good? He, he, he could score 35, 40 goals if he can. Well, he's him. on pace for, I think, right? probably on pace yes. for close to 50. He's already got 13 right now in 20 games or 21. He's like, humming. But uh, it, it, give him credit. He scored before they made the switch, they, too. Yeah, like he was having sure. a good year before they that. Sh- they'll probably play off Mitch, much like we've seen the first 20 games, especially if 34 continues to. I don't, I don't. Is the word struggle? Sleepwalk. What is? Uh, I don't know. Sleepy? Is he sleepy out it's, there? Maybe. Um, on. Oh, I had something on Marner, but uh, go ahead. Go ahead with Matthews. No, I'll, I'll just think. Uh, the feel that he probably looked for Marner coming back on for a little help because yeah, I didn't see too much out it. of thirty-four and eighty-eight last night. That was it. It was that Marner. Uh, you look at the ice times for everyone last night, and it's like eighteen, nineteen minutes for the top guys all the way across the board, and Marner's twenty-three minutes. You know, like he's the only one. Matthews is at nineteen minutes. Yeah, it's it's clear like who Sheldon is relying on right now as Matthews tries to find whatever it is that he's looking for. Because, yeah, it, it's, you know, a couple times. He, how about this? He has not shot a puck in the net at 5-on-5 five five on his forehand this year. Yeah, I heard them say that last 21 night. 21 games. He doesn't have a goal on his forehand at 5-on-5. Five five. So it's not good. And he's a tip and a backhand, I think. I, do you have 5-on-5 five five stats that you can pull up? I do. For the Leafs in particular? Yes. Like, do you have actual minutes of 5-on-5? Five five? Yes. But I need a moment to yeah. filter it. Well, yes. I'm just watching the game last night, obviously, and I just, I'm not, it's almost at the point where I'm not noticing Matthews that much. Yeah, what which do you is, want to know, Kipper? Which is insane. It's crazy. Who leads uh, in, in minutes on five on five? <laughs> Justin Hall. Not a joke. Yeah. Justin Hall's most on the team. Uh, third is Matthews. Marner is just behind Matthews. That doesn't seem right, does it? No, it does. Yeah. He's 20 minutes behind him. It does. On the season. You know why? No. Because he's out there doing everything else. Oh, PK. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're that, saying. Like yeah, he's yeah. on the PK. Yeah, that's where he's like, an extra four hard minutes and, and a game got, or something. Who's, got, who's, who's producing the most on even strength? Uh, yeah, that's Marner. So Marner is the best five-on-five player, and yet he's 20 minutes behind Matthews. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, they're a goal apart in that department, so it's close. But so obviously, don't you want Matthews? If if, if Marner's your best five on five producer, don't you want to push those minutes up five on five? Well, isn't that the thing we've complained about though, with him overplaying Marner during the regular season? You're the one who's saying this year no, he can't no, play no, twenty five no. minutes. No, or no, whatever. he can on some nights. So more five on five, less. Thank shorthanded. you. Shorthanded. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Start 
developing other people on the PK. Yeah, 100%. and stop leaning on him like crazy. You're gonna kill the guy. He's gonna, you're gonna bury him by March or April. You know. Yeah. Start pulling those minutes off. Get those five on five up, and start getting your five on five but, game going here. So four on but five. The, but if you're the coach of the team, Kipper, he's on your bench. How the hell do you not send him out? I, I hear you. He's clearly your you're best trying to win the guy. game. There's how many shifts do the Leafs have where legitimately nothing happens offensively? Here's uh, five on five, A lot. and he's he's the only guy that's really pers- uh, pushing the play so, on at all so, strengths. So, so you're not supposed to win. Like it's no, a hard you're supposed one. to develop other penalty killers. Well, they have a lot of guys that can do and, it. And, and, don't use him so much on the penalty kill. I'm telling you, that's what's that's why he's so far behind Matthews is because he's sucking wind on the bench, getting ready for his next shift. What they need to do. So if you look at um, shorthanded ice time per game. So look, in terms of uh, forwards, David Kampf has played the most per game, uh, and Mitch Marner is next. So he's second most there. Then it's Kerfoot, Kelly Yarncroft. Zach Aston Reese is below a minute a game. They really use four guys. You know, Aston Reese and Engvall also below a minute. You need those guys to kill. You need those guys to go out there. Like, Michael Bunting can't kill penalties. He's killed the least on the entire yeah. team. He's yeah. killed, like, not at all. I think four seconds on the season. They haven't even given him a look at that. The other thing, too, is, you know, you can tell how how 88 and 34 are pushing it to the point where, like, Sometimes I watch Willie Nylander cherry pick boys, and it just drives me nuts. Just drives me nuts. Yeah. Last night was his first noticeably bad game, I thought. You know, the Islanders game that we were at the other night, Sammy, when you and I were just sitting there. He's skating well. He's skating well, but he's ahead of the play by a lot. You know, he's... you know, you know off his stick a couple weird times. Right. Like he's just... Yeah, he needs to kind of stay with it. You yes. know, get, don't get too excited about the offenses. Stay with the group as we break out as a five-man yeah. unit, and sometimes it gets a little Let's pull uh, Kipper's clipper on uh, Marner defending the middle of the ice. I mean, they were definitely pushing, but I thought we did a good job of holding the middle. Um, when Marner made some really nice saves, I thought as a, as a group we held the middle pretty well, and that one obviously that cost us, but um, you know, we did a good job keeping it tight and, and trying to make them work around us. And one guy that's really noticeable on that was Mark Giordano. Yeah. Like, he is so intelligent when it comes to taking whatever, you know, he has mm-hmm. and making the most of it. We know he's not blessed with a ton of speed. We know if he's getting into a foot race, most often than not, he'll lose it. But he will find a way to get back into Crafty. the fight yeah, and reposition himself. Uh, but as far as taking the middle of the ice or having lanes blocked mm-hmm. and getting down and... Uh, Knows where to stand, as Babs would like to say. Having the perfect position, the perfect uh, down one knee, blocked shots. Mm-hmm. Man, 24 minutes, though, guys. Not afraid to get in the way. 24 minutes, less than 48 hours to get ready for a game tomorrow afternoon. You, we can talk how great he was last night, but what's that recovery going to be for a guy that's turning 40 soon but listen wouldn't you rather have the veteran guy who used to be a top pairing guy elevating to that as opposed to having to do it with a young guy like he knows what it takes to play 25 minutes in a game he's done it his whole career he's been a number one guy his whole career but the body yeah the body doesn't recover and it doesn't do the things that it did five seven years ago i listen 
I know you're probably right, but I'm fully all in on oh, listen, him it's, playing. Uh, it's third week in November. Yeah, you're set over the boards again for 25 again tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon. 100%. So a couple things that stood out from those from Marner and Keefe to me. One is the taking away the middle of the ice thing. You can tell the message went from the coaching staff pre-scout to the players successfully. They downloaded the same idea. Okay, middle of the ice. And you mentioned that with uh, Giordano as well, defending that and keeping everyone outside. Yeah. Thought that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, the, the geo is a steadying factor right now, particularly when, you know, Mac Hollowell was paired up with them at times. Um, mm. I know we're going to get 12 to, minutes for, for Hollowell. Hollowell. I know we're going to get the geo. Do you want to just weigh in on Hollowell quick? Any? Yeah. Yeah. Eight. Tiny. Yeah. He's really little. Like, <laughs> I know I mean, that's not everything. I, I don't, I don't particularly no. like watching him go back and try to get a puck. Yeah. You know, if, no. if, if he's looking up ice, he made some nice plays. He's a good skater. Uh, I thought, I thought Sheldon did a nice job with his 12 minutes. Yeah. How about that? Great. Really good skater. So I saw some of the like advanced stats and I was like, oh boy, looks like he had a good night. And I watched it. He banged the puck up the wall for turnovers four times in that time. Like he, it, it went well for him. Like things broke well, but I do not want to see that again. Um, but Mark Giordano was very good. Do we want to hear from Mark on playing all those minutes? Absolutely. All right, let's do that. What did the increased workload feel like for you? I mean, I know you, you said you can handle it, but like you actually have to do it. Yeah. No, I feel good. I, I feel good. It's all about taking care of yourself uh, properly and a couple more shifts every period, and, and I think I can handle it. He thinks he can handle it. Hey. Not I can't handle it. Uh, and he is until he isn't. <laughs> Yes. How's that? That exactly makes right. sense. It's okay. true. We should listen. We've done 33 minutes. We haven't talked about the call. We got to talk about the calls. The uh, chat and YouTube's. Everybody's yelling at each other about these calls. Okay. All right. All three correct. For, for the record, good Lock. for Gio for putting in the work yeah. after the game. Okay. The the calls. Uh, Sammy's got all three correct. Overturn. No yeah. goals. Yeah. My take. Sammy's right. Kipper did. I get will concur. Ah. And say, according to the letter of the law, mm-hmm. I'm good. But change the letter of the law on a few. That's all. Which one? I'll, I'll tell you the one that bothered me the most, just as a objective watcher, is that uh, the kicked in goal. Yeah, it's not kicked if, at the if, net. If you if you intentionally kick a puck and it goes directly in the net, yeah, I'm all day long. If I'm trying to kick it to keep the play alive to a teammate yeah. and someone else on the opposition redirects it in the net. Get out of the way, Bozo. Me, that's, that's a good goal, and uh, that's it. My, I, you, you know I didn't intentionally try to kick the puck in when it's heading towards you're, you're a teammate. You're making a legal play. It I'm ended making, up in the net. I'm making an illegal play. Yeah. If, in fact, it does get redirected by uh, an opposition stick. Get then, a stick out of the way. Hey. Good goal by me. And no. well, listen, no, we're not. We're saying the calls are right. No, but every, all three calls, good call, good call, good call. Why? What's but what, the letter what, of the law? Like, you've changed every rule for fifteen years to drive more offense. Puck over glass. Yeah, uh, icing. Uh, uh, face-offs. Uh, pick the sides. Yeah, everything is geared towards yeah. offense. Now you're going to tell me that you're you're, you're not going to advance that with and what's this? the concern of what's going to happen if you tell guys that if you kick it not at the net and it ends up in the net we're keeping it as a good goal guys are going to try to kick it off things yeah. like he it's not happening it, he kicked it towards the net 
No, he kicked yes, it no. in front he, of the crease. He was to kicking the it area. towards the goal. Okay, he kicked towards the goal, and, and it never would have gone in if the Leafs didn't put it in their but net. It's not like they shot it into the net. Nah, it, it, it took a them. tiny little... I don't care. It's the right call, no, and it's that's the way it should right be. Did, you can't, you can't have gotten... Yes, he did. He The last no, thing that touched... And then it went in. Yeah. yeah. And then it got... By him. Pinball. No, not by him. If he makes a cut, if he kicks it and hits with a stick, for sure. in soccer, who gets credit for it? I don't know. It's an own goal. Uh, don't talk about soccer. No comments. Brazil just scored a galazzo. We're, on, we're, we're, on, we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Croatia. We're not talking about soccer. And as far as goaltender contact, we I think we can all agree that we've seen more contact and the goal and no call this season than what we witnessed last night. But... No doubt he's impeded in getting where he needs to get to make a save in the blue paint. Not even that one to me is not even a debate. No, I, yeah, man is I get in the it. way. I'm where just he's saying to get. that yeah. it's that one's a coin toss on the official and how he feels. Total he could have easily card. said, you know what, they they kind of bumped into each other. No yeah. call, play alive, good goal. Well, that, that there's one in Vancouver last night that was like that was called goalie interference that they overturned. One of the worst ones I've ever seen. Awful. Awful call. Um, they, Garland. Yeah. Yeah. That one was a head scratcher. I mean, I, what are we doing? Like, Did you see his reaction? Yeah, awesome. Good, good, job. Job. good yeah, job. Good job. Good, good call. Yeah. Good job. Good job. There's he nothing seems, worse than that. He seems like a real piece of work. I don't okay. I, I don't. But don't, like, and you can't, you, that was, to me, is the most obvious goaltender interference style of one. The first Guy one. Guy in the way in the blue paint trying to get where he's trying to get. Right. Exactly. Right where he pushes his skate to. Where the, he could make the save with the puck, his skate I didn't was see impeded. A ton of contact but on the contact. skates. There, it's it's a kiss. But, ah, but Kipper, more than a kiss. If, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, here's the sound of the two skates making contact. But if his skate, <laughs> still though, you're, you're not. If his skate wasn't there, he, you're gonna have he makes that save or something from touching that mic with your lips. He makes that save with his skate isn't there. Yeah, maybe. Oh, but listen, yeah. I, I, we, I'm we going on goalie union. I, I'll go all yeah. goalie union. Hey, don't go in the blue paint. Hey, buddy, just don't go in the blue paint. Yeah, great. Mm. And then there's really not much debate then, about you knock a goalie over and what'd you, you can't get in his net. What'd you think about the, uh, the Molson shower after? Oh yeah. The beers came raining down. Yeah. Well, well what's listen, the thing? Is anyone here going to be like, okay. it was awesome. Listen, <laughs> okay. Listen. First, I think it was a little overplayed by the Leafs, just a tad, on how I dangerous actually, I actually thought they'd go to the room and was like, right. come on. Listen, I got to no say. No one's ever died with a Coke <laughs> thrown at them. Uh, Toronto people listening to this show, we cannot throw beer from our glass houses because I particularly remember in 2015 when Russell Martin got a bad call against him at the Rogers Centre. Oh, Beers yeah. rained from but the I crowd. Did enjoy the hunt to find well, the dude. Ken no, 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 that was another situation. <laughs> like we whipped. I, that was just this, the wild card game the following year. All, we whipped beers. All yeah. I thought of after the game was Sheldon grabbing Mitch Marner and going to a cop and say, "Look at him! Look at him! <laughs> you hit the tire iron! It was a tire iron! <laughs> hit him right in the mind!" Let's let's uh, let's, let's listen to Keefe's. Uh, thoughts on uh, the beers coming down because I thought it was actually hilarious. Take cover. <laughs> That's really all you can do. Uh, you know, I've been I've been through that experience 
a few other times. Not maybe not to that degree, but uh, that one felt like it could it could get dangerous. So that's why we just decided to leave the bench for a little bit there. A few other times. <laughs> How many times has this guy had beers thrown at his head? This is a guy who his he was in Pembroke for a long time. The, the <laughs> not, not saying, just saying. The Lumber Kings. He's, he's, Easy, we have a lot of listeners no, in that hey, area. I went to a hockey tournament there with my dad for the MNR. We had an absolute blast. But all you need to know about that rink, I think they're the Lumber Kings, right? That's the name they of the are, team, Pembroke? Yep. yep. Uh, the benches in that rink are on opposite sides. Safety first. That's all you need to know about that rink. Yeah. So, uh, so I'll be seeing some things so in there. We, we knock out the Quebec Nordiques, right? Yeah. And it's just not, we just didn't knock them out of the playoffs. Like, it's knocked over. him out of the league. We, we knocked him out of the league. <laughs> you knocked him to Colorado. They're relegated. So we not. It's their last game in history, and you know we're celebrating uh, after the whistle, and we're all happy. And Brian Leach looks at me and goes, "Did you just throw up?" And I'm like, "No." I said, "I got pelted by mustard uh, packages." Oh no! <laughs> when they came off the ice, <laughs> and I was covered, and my face was that covered, and I just, I, I had a small scratch because of the corner, you know, that aluminum tight, yeah, yeah. uh, that that sharp little corner. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, "No, I didn't throw up." You're the mustard tiger, just getting pelted. <laughs> That's great, oh. but. I think they survived. They're 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 okay. Everyone's they're okay. okay. For, Mitch, was pissed. Mitch, Mitch was pissed. Pissed. Uh, do we have him? Yeah, we do. Yeah, let's listen to Mitch. Well, I mean, it's full beers and it's dangerous. We're we're not looking for that. We're not seeing it coming. Um, dodge a couple. I mean, could got really dangerous again at the end. Uh, Brass almost took one in the head. It's it's a dangerous thing. So, I mean, I don't know what it's our fault, but, um, I mean, it's not like they're throwing it just for joy. They're throwing it to try and hit us. So it's uh, it's the first I've ever seen. It's insane. I don't know that they're trying to hit guys. Uh, You're just expressing displeasure. Are you crazy? Hammered jersey guy on the Thanksgiving nah, Wednesday? No, nah, he's looking, he's looking for protest. his flesh of me. No one's I looking just, at hurt it. He's I trying to chuck the gabagool at him. Who, who spends 22 bucks on a, <laughs> on a full beer <laughs> yeah. and then chucks it? <laughs> no way they're right? 22 in jersey. They're probably like 11. Are you there. nuts? They're 22 everywhere. Yeah, no, it's a small when... mortgage now to get a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Bornie knows. He bought me one on uh, Saturday. <laughs> Whatever day we were there. Yeah, Monday. you know, you know, if you're at the Prudential Center, though, they're like, throw them. Throw them. They need a refill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Let's take a break. Oh, my goodness. We blew right by we the did. third base uh, stop sign. We did. All right. We got uh, Gary Galley coming up after the break. We'll talk Leafs. We'll talk Ottawa Senators. Are they still in the basement? They're still, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah they're <laughs> Not what uh, the summer Not of Pierre. Not how Pierre Dorian, Dorian drew up Pierre Dorian's Not ear. Not the summer of Pierre. Okay, we'll get into that more. And Billy Guerin in the second hour. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. We are Real Kipper and Bourne. Stay tuned. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Yes, we are. As promised, one of our favorites, Gary Galley, Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada, joins joins us now. Gary, how are you, pal? Doing great. How are you guys? Well, we're good. You know, a little bit uh, somber uh, today uh, with the passing yeah, of, sure. of Boria Salming. Now we're we're roughly the same age. So, what what do you remember uh, about Salming and uh, and and your uh, your initial thoughts? I remember when. Um... Salming and Hammerstrom came over and uh, all the talk about that and 
and joining the Maple Leafs. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the two of them having a major impact on, you know, Europeans coming over and not only um, playing in the National Hockey League, but, you know, uh, you know, Borea, you know, made a statement. He wasn't just a, any old player. He came over and, uh, man, he became um, a household name and a very big hockey market and a very a country where hockey is a religion. And there wasn't any team that he played against that didn't respect him, respect him as a player, as a person, and, you know, the way he held himself in regard on and off the ice. And, you know, I got, it, 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 you know, to see him at the, um, at the Hall of Fame weekend and to see uh, the joy that he brought people to give them the ability to lay eyes on him, because um, I'm sure it was not an easy trek for him and his family uh, to come down and, and, and the amount of energy it would have taken for that to happen and for him to to do that, um, you know, for for people to be able to see him and for his ex-teammates and stuff is, uh, speaks volumes um, for him and his family and uh, certainly my condolences uh, to, to, to his family and, and the people that surround around him and how special he was. That's well said, Gary. The uh, you know watching the Leafs last night, I'm sure Borja would have been proud of the defensive effort the team put forward. I, I thought uh, you know this season has been a bit of a change in philosophy, you know, to to more commitment on that side of the puck and sorting through some of the numbers. Watching the games, they're a pretty good defensive team. What do you make of a Toronto Maple Leafs team that seems to have uh, defense as a strength rather than their offense? The crazy thing is, is when you look at um, some of the teams over. The history of, you know, we, we, I can go way, way back, but I'll try to stay as recent as I can. Uh, maybe Tampa, maybe the, I know there's Detroit and there's Dallas with uh, Bowman and Hitchcock that convinced the star players that they had to sacrifice some of their personal goals and, and points to be more of a more uh, responsible so that they could win in the playoffs. And they went on to win Stanley Cups. But look at Tampa had to do it. You know, Colorado had to do it. Um, you can run and gun you can try to to outpoint your opponent uh, production wise but as we know uh, when the playoffs hit the game changes considerably and you have to know how to play in the pig pen with the teams that can play in those one goal games those tight checking games you got to be comfortable playing with a one goal lead you got to be comfortable playing behind by a goal you have to be comfortable you can't open yourself up uh, stay in the game keep yourself in the game um, uh, you know, coming off the ice uh, late in the game with a one-goal lead and you, and you haven't accomplished anything but you haven't given anything, that's a win. That's a win. And you have to have the ability to, to feel that and, and know how important that is. I think the Leafs are learning, and every time they go through these, uh, these tribulations along the way, I think that they, they, they're understanding more the value of what they need to do. And uh, anytime you lose the amount of defensemen they've lost, uh, you have to collectively as a team make up for that. You're not going to replace that with one or two players. You have to collectively do it as a complete uh, team on the ice. Um, you know, and, and I think that they're, you can see that their effort is to try to do that. Gary, I think what you're talking about uh, is, is puck management and uh, managing a clock, managing the score, um, all of that. And we're seeing so many swings now in the NHL. We're seeing losing streaks. We're seeing winning streaks. Uh, we're seeing uh, two goals uh, disappear awfully quickly, more than ever before. Is this just because the kids are more are, are fearless to mistakes, unlike us who knew that one would put us on the bench or in the 
in the press box? Well, you know, you, you make a good point. Clock and score are, are extremely important. As a player, um, you have to recognize the score of the game and what time in the game is it. And, and those are all risk versus reward things, right? Like, are you the team that's leading? How much are you leading? Um, are you the team that's losing? How much time's left in a period? How much time's left in a game? Uh, you know, are you extending your shifts too long? Like, you have to understand uh, those are, those are, they seem like minute things, but there are things that you have to uh, have knowledge of when you're playing in a game, when to take your risk versus reward. And if you need to take risk or you don't take the risk, and as a player, you're comfortable in your skin to not take the risk. Um, you know, uh, in, in, in speaking to a lot of people, when you, when you look at teams that uh, are, 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 are into trouble and teams that lose leads, um, you know, and, and be, to be honest with you, uh, is that if you can not lose more than two games in a row, and, uh, and uh, it's really important. There are a lot of teams that when I remember discussing this back when I played, that after you lost two in a row, there was a, there was a, uh, a lot of push from the, from the team and the veteran players that that stops right here. We do not let it go by two. And I was saying to somebody this morning that the Montreal Canadiens have done that. They have not lost more than two in a row. And when you look at a team like Buffalo, who had that long losing streak, they, they lost it all. And all the good things they did, they lost in eight games because they couldn't stop the bleeding. And, and you have to stop the bleeding. And for most players, everyone, you know, the, the sexy part of the game is the offense when you have the puck on your stick and everybody wants the puck on their stick. But the truth of the matter is you don't have the puck on your stick that often. The star players have it a minute or less. The great ones, maybe a little more, the McDavid's uh, of that nature. But, uh, you know, so for the average player in the National Hockey League, which is not just average, I mean, it's playing the National Hockey League, is, you know, is, is very incredible in itself. But you have to know how to play without the puck. And you also have to know when you have nothing, don't try to make something. And that's where the teams struggle. That's where the Senators, that's where the Sabres, that's where some of the teams that have been struggling – you know, when you don't have anything, all of a sudden you create a, a huge turnover in the middle of the ice instead of putting the puck in a safe place, putting the puck somewhere where, yeah, it, it's not what you want to do. You want to try to make something happen, but there is nothing going on there. Uh, you know, just, just just let it go and we'll look to tell another day. Instead, you try to make a play, turns over, transition, it's in your net. Uh, maybe the goalie should have had it. Who knows? But why put yourself in those positions? The good teams don't do it. Well, and something we haven't talked about so far in the show is, you know, feeds into that defensive thing is goaltending and making the life of Matt Murray or whoever's in that a lot easier. You know, Murray looks pretty good. What do you make of, I, I don't want to say his surprising start because the Leafs bet on it happening, but I don't think a lot of other people did. Do you think this is something that can be lasting or where are you on Murray's start so far? Well, until he gets through a prolonged period of time without getting hurt, I'm always a bit cautious on Matt Murray. Sure. And, and that's where I am. Is he a quality goaltender when he's on his game? Well, it's hard to argue that. Of course he is. You know, guys won Stanley Cups. He's been in the most highly intense parts and anxiety parts of the game you could be in. So, yes, uh, the, the issue with Matt Murray has been his injuries and how long he's out with his injuries. Um, so uh, we've already had one of that already, and now he's back, and he looks pretty good, and the Leafs are, are, are playing really well. So, yeah, my, my, you know, I would say if he can stay healthy the rest of the way and be there for the Maple Leafs when they need him, I think that would go a long way for everyone just having a, a, little, more, a little more exhale, like, okay, whew, this guy can get through an extended period of time. But for the last while, he hasn't been able to do that. So, and I'm not wishing anything ill on anybody. I'm just saying 
that's been the track record. Gary, as far as that blue line is concerned, we, we know it's decimated uh, with uh, the likes of Muzzin, Riley, Brody gone. Uh, a lot of people aren't expecting Jordy Ben to play tomorrow afternoon against Minnesota. And yet another opportunity for, for Rasmus Sandin. Um, and just, you know, your experience of being on a blue line and, and knowing a guy's had multiple opportunities and yet another one. Uh, what would be going through his mind right now? They say he's a confident kid, but, I mean, would he realize that uh, you only get so many opportunities before people have a different opinion of you? I, I think that um, opportunity comes at the, in, in the strangest ways at the strangest times. And, and you know, because nobody as a player ever wishes their teammates get hurt. Uh, you know, I mean, but but sometimes it lends opportunity to you to be able to step up and prove yourself when the team needs you the most. Um, now, is he capable of not putting too much pressure on himself to be really good and, and, and stay within himself and play his game and not get caught into trying to do too much uh, with the extended ice time he's going to get? That's, that's the trick of the tail there because oftentimes when you lose players of value like the Leafs have lost, you know, maybe Sandine is incapable of stepping into Morgan Riley's shoes, you know, uh, but at the same time, he can cover some of his minutes. And for Sheldon Keith, he just wants those minutes covered uh, and covered responsibly. Yeah, we're not going to get maybe some of, uh, of the other things that we would get from the other players, but, you know, don't hurt us by trying to do too much. And that's going to be kind of the mantra, I think, is stay in your game, play your game, play it longer and more consistent. And, uh, and things will happen. I mean, I look at guys like Eric Brandstrom. I look at guys like Victor Mete. I look at guys of that posture and size that teams have given multiple opportunities to, to grab a hold and get going and haven't never been able to get that, that golden ticket where you feel like you've made it, right? And Sandine kind of falls into that kind of mold where the expectation is high. Uh, now he needs to take it and run with it consistently over time, not in a roller coaster where he has a few good games and everyone says, wow, here it is. And then he has a couple of bad games. I think if he can really control himself and just play his game um, with the extended minutes, I think it would go a long way for the organization and how they, and how they look at him. Uh, I think that would, that would, that would be really important. Yeah, you just have to be so good when you're a smaller D-man, like so exceptional in so many things. It is a real challenge. I get that. Um, you know, on the other end of the puck, you know, things are going really well for the Toronto Maple Leafs in general, so there's not a ton of criticism here. But Austin Matthews' slow start is worthy of attention at this point. You know, last night, um, Chris Cuthbert mentioned that Austin Matthews doesn't have a goal shot on his forehand at even strength this year. 21 games, you know, point-per-game player, good for a lot of guys, not the guy who just won the heart in Ted Lindsay. What do you see out of Austin Matthews so far? You know, I, I would say that uh, certainly, um, you know, he, he hasn't had any kind of run that would make you believe that, oh, my God, he's, he's got it back and he's firing all cylinders. Um, but, you know, I do I, – I look at him and I don't think he's playing bad. Uh, I look at him and he's engaged in the game. Um, he goes into the scoring areas. Um, you know, he's still using his teammates. And, you know, sometimes in a score like that's not scoring, he tends to get a little more selfish trying to make things happen. Um, I don't see him doing that at all. Um, so, you know, I don't see a lot of change. Um, he's just not as productive as everyone would like him to be. And he's not scoring at a clip that everyone would like him to be, but you know, it doesn't always roll along, uh, you know, and, and maybe at some point it's going to all click in and he's going to get on fire. 
Uh, will he be as uh, opportunistic as he was last year? Maybe not. Goalies and teams start to, you know, it's like I, I go back to like, like Paul Coffey was a guy that was inc- insanely good. When he picked the puck up in his end, he had the ability. He looked like he wasn't even skating and he was moving faster than you. Uh, and, and, but the one thing that it, if, you, if you watched him and you watched it over time, and, and Pat Quinn was great at this when we, used to, when we played him in the playoffs back in the early 80s, was, was he liked to enter the zone on one side predominantly. 90% of the time, he would enter the zone always on one side uh, towards his back end. So we did our damnedest throughout the series to take that side away and make him go in on his forehand where he didn't like it. And I think for a lot of Austin Matthews, uh, you know, last night's game especially, there were times when, when the player was just mimicking Austin Matthews. They were saying, hey, you can go to anyone else, but you're not coming to him. This isn't the guy you're coming to. And, and, and I think that's happening a lot more. And that just is the respect value, and it shows you that the other guys on the ice are going to have to uh, make teams more aware that if they're going to, you know, really present themselves that strongly on one guy, that we're going to take advantage of it. But, uh, but I, I, I'm not concerned at how he's playing. I really am not. I, I think he's, he's playing like a good team player plays. Would he like him to be more productive? Yes. Would you like to see him scoring more? Well, for sure. But I, I think it will come eventually, and I, I think he has to, uh, you know, fight through this, and all this is going to help him get better as he moves along in the playoffs when it gets a lot tighter and a lot harder to score goals. One more for me before we let you go, uh, Gary, and that's the Ottawa Senators and uh double digits out of uh, a playoff spot and it is american thanksgiving and while it's debatable on how 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 much we uh anticipated them fighting for a playoff spot maybe february or march we didn't see tied for dead last in the league with anaheim so how surprised are you actually i am i am surprised um that i think they were going to be in a playoff spot right now? No, I, I wasn't sure they'd be in a playoff spot, but I thought they would be sitting, you know, three, four points, uh, you know, maybe maybe two, three, four points out of the playoffs, and uh, they'd have more wins, and and they wouldn't be losing games like they're losing games. I don't know if I, I say that right, but you know, it's how you lose a game. Um, you can have, you can play well and lose, and the one thing that was very clear from the Ottawa senators when they started the season was they wanted to be playing meaningful, meaningful games in March and April. And, and they wanted to, uh, they wanted to clean up some of the defensive zone and, and defensive uh, mistakes that they've made in the past. They needed better goaltending. They needed more secure and stronger goaltending. So these are all things that they, that they talked about. Um, but it, it just it hasn't manifested. Their goaltending has just been okay. Um, their defensive zone structure and their uh, execution of their defensive zone uh, systems um, is one of two things. Either they don't understand it or they're they're not getting the proper information. And that comes down to whether it's the coaching or whether it's the players. Now, you know, know, I've heard, you know, Pierre Dorian say it's not the coach, not the coach, and stop talking about the coach, and I understand that. Sooner or later, uh, a chip falls. And the players love D.J. Smith. I, th- I think he's a good coach. I think the players believe in him. But if you're not winning and this is going on, someone takes the fall for this. Someone has to. It, it just, it just, it, you can't keep going on, this, on the same road where the expectations are, keep, are moving ahead except the team isn't catching up to them. Um, you know, I think they're getting some, some good play to some guys, but the one area that they didn't address, and, and they brought a 20-year-old defenseman into the fold, 
And Jake Sanderson's been fantastic. And I think it's, it's imagine if this kid came in and had, you know, any kind of issues getting his feet wet in the National Hockey League, which would be more than understandable. Uh, but he's come in and played like a vet, and that's made it even better for them with the loss of Zub and, and Shabbat. But uh, Shabbat hasn't played particularly well, uh, and, and that's hurt them a little bit, you know. And, and it's the understanding that they really haven't helped their blue line a lot, and, and that doesn't help to insulate their goaltending at all. Their goaltending has, has not been it's not been as bad as it was in the last years, but it hasn't stepped up to where I think they were hoping it would be. Um, certainly losing Norris is an issue, but they're – you know, you look at the Bruins. They lost Marchand. They lost McAvoy. They lose like, like, three or four guys out the first five games, of the, and they, you know, they just they just find ways to win. They know how to win. For the Ottawa Senators, they just have trouble figuring out how to win. And unfortunately, they've got a lot of young players that the things I mentioned earlier, what to do when you have nothing, how to play time and clock and things like that. I think they haven't figured out a lot of that. Gary, always a pleasure having you on our show, man. We really appreciate your time. Awesome, guys. Uh, I'm going to get over to my three American kids and have turkey at their house, so this is good nice. for me. <laughs> That's awesome. Enjoy. Thanks, Gary. All right, guys. Take care. Hockey Night in Canada's Gary Galley. A um, couple uh, quick ones before we go to break here. Uh, Rasmus Sandin, over 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he's going to get that role. Yeah. Uh, with Morgan Riley out for the most part. Uh, I d- didn't have any issues with him at all, except for the one Hamilton goal where he just decided to read a play that didn't only, happen. only <laughs> didn't happen. And you know, he left Hamilton uh, unattended in front. It's a really good point. We always talk about D-man, how often, like if you don't notice them, it was a good game. And when you play 22 minutes yeah. and you're not noticeable, it's pretty good. I do think when you're smaller, you have to anticipate plays ahead of everyone else and kind of cut them off and get there early. And that's what he's trying to do on the goal against. But it's just a bad guess. He doesn't even like shoulder check or look. Anyway. A couple practice updates from Minnesota today. If you're interested in that kind of thing. Sure. Um, I'm just pulling it up here. Apparently, Connor Timmins is not going to play tomorrow night. Keith says that he just got there. Wants to make sure that he doesn't play. So your bottom pair. Guess what your bottom pair is going to be tomorrow? Victor Mete's in. And Matt Hollowell. Mete Hollowell. Yeah. Uh, Jordy Ben, IR, week to week. Yeah. Yes. It's, and again, sometimes in life, you get what you pay for. Jordy <laughs> Ben uh, has really come in and, and been a breath of fresh air yeah, for this blue good, line. really good. No question about it. Yeah. But how, how many consecutive games can he play? Can he stay healthy? It's can, a line from Liar Liar. Simmons is old. It's right, like it's just, Ben is old. Right, <laughs> yeah. he's being held together with like popsicle sticks right now. I don't know. Yeah, that's too bad because he really was like, I don't know. The, the, he was like gritty. He was like the charismatic leader everyone <laughs> loved. It's like, yeah, this guy's perfect for them. So, so and uh, another note from practice: uh, Matt Murray starts Friday in Minnesota, which is great. Another start for him. The plan is for Eric Schalgren to start in Pittsburgh on Saturday, but that's not a hundred percent yet. With a matinee start tomorrow, it's not the usual back-to-back. But the, tra- the travel, the if, travel if, is significant, apparently. If Matt Murray's going, just Look, if he's going, with it. He's going. I do, think, uh, I do think that's the right call, what you're talking about. Bird I think off. the Penguins have seen a very strange array of goaltenders in the Leafs. It's been Shalgren and Kaskasuo and, like, I don't know, throw a couple starters at him, will you? Also, one note. 
Nick Robertson, I guess, will come out of the lineup, and Wayne Simmons will go in, in to obviously uh, go up against uh, very excited, can't wait to win the fans over Ryan Reeves. Oh, <laughs> oh great. great. Sa- Sammy was saying he doesn't think that Simmons will do a deal with Reeves. He doesn't think that's a thing. Well, why, why would you do a deal? No, he doesn't think that he'll fight him or he does, he, that he'll... Listen, no. That's out of his, that's out of his weight is class. coming out, and he's going to... find someone. He's running around. <laughs> You're right. I didn't he's think of that. coming point. out with a bib on his jersey, <laughs> much like a lot of Americans right now are looking at their Christmas or their Thanksgiving dinner, right? He sees a little cranberry sauce on all the leaves. Eat them up. Why wouldn't you? I would. There's some people right now listening to our show just disgustingly full. Why wouldn't you, if you're Ryan Reeves, you're going into a game against a, long a, a, a team like Toronto where you've got the red carpet to go run and talk yeah. and intimidate anybody you want. I, and what, Jordano's coming after me? I hope it's Wayne Simmons before I see Jordano go in there. Yeah, where's Clifford? I mean, honestly, it's like here's here's a question for you though. So Kipper. you, you should have should have kept Sa- Douglas. <laughs> Punchy so Sammy, Douglas. Um, Reeves gets just a green light to go out there and like do anything he wants tomorrow. You okay with that? Uh, yeah, listen, okay. it's not gonna matter. So I I had an argument. What do you mean it's not gonna matter? It's not gonna matter. Even if you have, it's not if you have. Even if you have Simmons, listen, Wayne's got to find a way to kind of slow him down a little bit. He's not. Gonna, We've, no. Well, then, so, then what's the point we, of putting him in then? We should break. By the way, we got to get to Garen. Right. All right. Yep. We'll take a quick break. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll pick this up after the break. Yes, sir. Okay, Billy Garen, general manager, Minnesota Wild. After the break, you're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Born. We're back after this. Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Leeds in Minnesota. Tomorrow afternoon at 2. And a scheduling note, we will not be on the air tomorrow until no. post-game on... Well, I don't know. I don't know. What is, what's it called? Leafs Talk on YouTube. Leafs Talk on YouTube. I don't know. So it's not real Kipper and Born on YouTube tomorrow after the game. We're gonna put it in our podcast feed. It's, it's uh, Leafs Talk featuring Real Kipper and Born, the artist formerly known as Real Kipper and Born on Leafs Talk. <laughs> I think it's Real Kipper and Born featuring Leafs. Not Talk. Sure, if I want to go on Leaf Talk, yeah, I'm pretty generic. Real, I'm a Real Kipper and Born guy. That's a generic name, so they can just fire and replace us at will. <laughs> <laughs> That's the game plan. <laughs> yeah. All right, we wait to catch up to uh, Billy Garen. He's coming. Probably got like cranberry stain on his shirt by now. You think? Uh, Four seventeen is prime U.S. drinking is time, is it not? I mean, uh, you're right in little... the middle of a thigh right now. No, you've you've eaten, you're and done. I feel like you're into like the and you can't. You're too full to have like a beer, so you're onto like a bourbon or something. Has that uh, th- that what is it? That's that sleepy part of the turkey tryptophan is that kicked in yet is it is it kicked in on billy garen are you are you turkeyed out we're we're sorry if we interrupted your your thanksgiving and and happy thanksgiving by the way oh thanks i appreciate it and uh yeah i'm uh i'm turkeyed out we had a very (laughs) 
very early meal. Uh, my son flew out to see his girlfriend, and my daughter's working tonight. So we had to eat at 1 o'clock, and I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Does uh, Thanksgiving feel a lot better with a 6-1 win against Winnipeg? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. It's not really a break in the season, but it's a, it's a holiday. <laughs> not, not, that a, not that a loss is going to entirely ruin it, but it, the turkey definitely tastes better with two points in your pocket. That's great. So you guys are starting to roll a little bit here. You beat Carolina. Uh, you, you beat Winnipeg. How, how would you assess where the Wild are at this season? I know you guys uh, just made a move to uh, acquire Reeves. It seems like you guys are in a, in a pretty good spot here. What's your take on things so far? Yeah, it, it's been uh, uh, it, it, it's been a, a very different year. Uh, you know, if you're comparing to last year, mm-hmm. uh, we've been inconsistent. Um, you know, I, I think our, our defensive play, you know, our, our has been really strong. Uh, our ability to score goals five on five hasn't been as strong as last year. But, um, you know, I, the thing for me is that we're still uh, inconsistent in, in playing to our identity. And, you know, and that's, you know, playing playing up-tempo, high pace, high compete, um, and, and, and being aggressive and, for some reason, we've been inconsistent. That was part of the Reeves move, um, you know, just to get another guy with, with a lot of energy in his game. And, um, you know, if he can get to hits, he's really effective. But, you know, he's a bigger body, and, and you know, we, we needed that. So the energy that he's going to supply, I, I think, will help us, uh, you know, get to a, a more consistent level with our identity. Just the way it all went down, uh, my understanding was about a week ago, Ryan Reeves went to the New York Rangers, asked to get traded. Uh, and, uh, you know, there was some thought, uh, Billy, that uh, that the Rangers were ready to put him on waivers. So just your decision to give up a fifth for him and maybe not wait to see if, in fact, that uh, would have happened. But where, where was your sense on why you needed to, to pull the trigger uh, the other day? Well, I mean, hey, listen, we, we all think about the future. Um, draft picks are incredibly valuable, uh, but we also think about the now. And, you know, and I, I just feel that our team needed a little a little jolt. And like I said, with, with Revo's personality, his, his energy, you know, what he brings to a locker room, uh, what he brings on the ice, uh, you know, can, can really lift the team. And, you know, what I, I thought, you know, for right now it was – it was worth a draft pick two years out. And I mean, you never know. We, we could end up uh, recouping that draft pick somewhere along the line. And, um, but you know, I, I think it was important to think about the players now and, and try to help them uh, this year. You know, if teams only go as far as goaltending and their stars go, um, you know, the, there were some people preseason picking Kirill Kaprizov as sort of a dark horse, heart candidate, a guy, a lot of love around the league. How has his season gone so far for the Minnesota Wild? You know, Kirill's been great. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's scoring at the rate that he was last year, but he's, he's been pretty consistent. And, um, you know, he's having a good year. And, uh you know, the thing I love about Kirill is that he, he plays hard every night. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's one of these superstars that is not afraid to get his nose dirty. Um, you know, last night he had, uh, he had a couple points, but he was also like, you know, he gets in on the four check. He finishes checks. Um, I know he finished a couple guys, you know, real hard. Uh, he goes in, he'll get, he'll go to the puck first. He's not afraid to get hit. And, 
you know, he goes to the ugly areas. So um, I, I really like where Kirill's game is right now. I mean, hey, look, as a, as a GM or coaches, you always want more production, but he, he produces at a, at a really high rate for us. So we're lucky to have him. Uh, Bill, just in terms of now uh, the, the squeeze on many teams with a salary cap, and we know what's happened uh, for obvious reasons the last few years, but the decision with Parise and, and Ryan Suter has left you, I think, with dead cap space money of about $40 million, if I'm not mistaken. And just that usually comes with teams that are just totally ready to kind of rebuild and, and get higher picks and just wait for a few years, but we don't get that sense out of your hockey club. So, I mean, how is it, how has it been knowing that you're, you're, you've got such a significant number of dead space to work with? You know what? I mean, I'll be honest with you. Some days it's tough and you're like, man, what, what, what could we do with that extra, with that extra cap space? (laughs) Um, but you know what, those are, you got to live by the decisions you make and I'd do it again. Um, and I, I just think the way the direction our organization's gone since then is, has been in a positive one. Um, you know, uh, no disrespect to, to those players or, or anything like that, but we, we needed to do it to move forward. And, um, you know, even though we have, you know, the dead cap space, I, I think it's given, a lot of other players here, the, the ability to, uh, you know, to, to play in different positions, to play more, to, you know, assume leadership positions, um, all sorts of things like that. So, um, but, you know, and we're not using that as an excuse either. The, the expectation level here is, has, you know, grown each and every year. Uh, we still expect the guys to, to win. And, um, you know, that, that's just the way we do it. I, I don't care what our dead cap space is. We're a good enough team to to win every night, and uh, that's what we expect. You know, Bill, one thing that strikes me is, you know, in our very, very brief overlap at an Islanders camp a while ago and watching your career, seeing you acquire Reeves and knowing you have Marc-Andre Fleury, like I'm struck by personality as a priority with you. Like knowing that it's important to have these guys in the room that can pick you up and give you that energy and just provide something that isn't the same old every single day. Do you see that? Like when you've won a Stanley Cup, do do you feel like personality is an important element of having success? I do. I mean, that, and that's just my personal opinion. I, I really do. Obviously, you know, the most important thing is, is the way you play. But it is such a long year. You guys know this. It's such a long year. It's such a grind. Yeah. Like to go in and just do the same thing every single day. You know, at points in time in the season, it, it, gets, it does get tedious. And you need, you need character on your team, but you need characters. And those are the guys that are going to get you through the dog days. Those are the guys that you're going to look to when, when things are tight and there's pressure. They can loosen the room up, or they can, they can just make sure that the guys are, are relaxed and focused. Um, so, yeah, I am a big believer on that. I mean, every, you know, all the, the good teams that I was on, um, and, and I'm sure you guys were the same way, you, you had some characters, and you had some life in the room, and you had guys that, uh, that uh, weren't afraid to, you know, uh, be themselves. And and that's what I really, I really preach that too. And be yourself, like be who you are. And that's why we get a guy like Reeves or Fleury, um, you know, Marcus Foligno, Dumba, all these guys, Zuccarello that have these great personalities. And, you know, I I want them to be who they are. The safer bet is that those type of guys are like 
pluggers and you know on on your bottom six and you just mentioned Marc Andre Fleury who's uh, one of the best in history and a future Hall of Famer here and he did this one um, promo where he, they loaded up the the dressing room with flowers and <laughs> yeah. and I think it's one of the best and I urge anyone who's watching or listening to go find it because it's hilarious and he's awesome in it and I'm just wondering if you got stuck with the floral bill on that one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually funny because the the guy who makes the commercials, a guy named John King, who's helped us with that kind of campaign. It's uh, it's not weird, wild. It's wild. Um, his his wife, I believe, works at a flower shop, and that's where we got them all. Oh, um, you know, funny how that works out. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I tell you what, the whole the whole uh, sequence of those um, commercials to me. You know, uh, Felino did one this year. You know, because they call him Moose, where he's in a lake, and you got you just got to look it up. They're, <laughs> I think they're hilarious, and you know what? It's it's kind of been something that that was important to me, and that was allowing you know breaking the mold of the old Minnesota Wild and letting these guys kind of letting their personalities shine through, letting them have a lot of fun. I mean, you you, you got to do that stuff because. I really think it it uh, it's part of the life. It's part of living in, you know living the life of the of an NHL to be able to do that stuff, and um, I think it brings a lot to our market too. Did you uh, do you remember when we played? We had those ESPN ones. Did you ever do any those of those? Were great, those were great. I did one with Kenny Danico when we were playing chess on the ice, <laughs> and, and and I moved and I moved my. Or maybe it was me and Randy McKay. I forget. Dan, me and Dano or Randy McKay was in it too. And I moved my 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 piece and I said, check. And right when I said, check, I think it was Kenny came over and just drilled me. <laughs> like right off, right off the stool. Um, but those were, those were great. And I know you guys with the Rangers had a bunch of good ones. Ricky had one with the, with the, I think the plexiglass in front of the net. Yeah. Um, where, you know, I mean, they were, they were, those are classic. I had one where they gave me this really soft rabbit, a live rabbit. <laughs> I, uh, and I'm holding it in the middle of the rink. And I, I remember my line. It was like uh, hockey. People think hockey players are big, mean thugs, but we're actually very civilized people. Take this little guy, for instance. And my line was, how many of you know the best way to serve them is in a prune cognac sauce? <laughs> what do you think? That's pretty good. Not bad. Good. I'm going to look that one up and try to get away with that today. Well, it's funny because I was actually thinking, you know, before my first exhibition game at that Islanders camp, you came in and told the room it was a two-beer mand- mandatory that night. We were all going to go to the bar and everyone had to have a, a minimum of two beers. I-, I wonder, is that still an element of the NHL these days? Is your team still able to get out? I, yeah, we make it a point to uh, to make sure that the guys have time to unwind a little bit. We, we stay over. You know what? I mean, you know how it is after a game, you're all wound up. You're not going to sleep, so... If we're going to lose time going back east, if like we're in the West Coast, we're going to go home. We're, we'll stay overnight, and you know what? I think it just gives the guys a chance to be together and go have a couple beers, and and uh, I think it really does create camaraderie and, and chemistry. And um, yeah, back at that camp, Borny, that was I mean that was fun, and that, that was you know what I, I I wanted to just you know what, incorporate everybody. You know what, there was no division. I didn't want a division between the old guys and the young guys or, 
you know, guys on tryouts and sign guys. No, we're, we're all here at the same camp. Let's go out and have a few beers together. And we're going to, you know, who knows where the night will take us, but we'll, we'll talk and we'll get to know each other. And, hey, you have your two beers and leave or don't have any and leave or whatever, but you got to show up. It's a matinee game tomorrow. Can you tell Reeves to kind of take it easy and not worry about impressing the, the crowd against the smaller blue line of the Toronto Maple Leafs? I can tell him, but you, I think you know this guy. He won't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we appreciate uh, your, your your precious time on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, thanks for doing this, Bill. Absolutely, guys. Great catching up, and uh, we'll, we'll see you down the road. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. Bill Guerin, general manager of the Minnesota Wild, and uh, yeah, a team that's hanging around. And think about this, like, if I'm not mistaken, they're at about $14 million between Parise and uh, yeah. and Ryan Suter of dead money, meaning that their salary cap this year mm-hmm. is, I don't know, uh, 60? Yeah, 67 right? or whatever it is. Yeah. It's $57 million. You know, so obviously that's bad, and obviously they know that. But I get the idea of being like, we need to move on from this team that hasn't had success. It is not working, and to continue to run our heads into this brick wall, you know, makes no sense, and giving some new guys some opportunity. So this is exactly how I feel about the Vancouver Canucks. Like, go ahead and let your goaltending get hot and turn it around and go finish with 87 points and pick 14th and then do it again next year. What's the point? Like, at least get some young guys in, give them opportunity, move on to a new core, let some new voices grow in the room. I get the idea of just saying, we know it's not good for us. You know, it hurts. But we need to turn the page on this old thing from the Minnesota Mile. I get it. He also said something in that interview with you guys when you were, when you brought up the the advertising, right? When they're talking about the, the flurry thing. And then he's like, you know, we're trying to get away from being the old Minnesota Wild. And that stuck out to me, right? Where it's just like... You they were the most boring team in the like, league. Legitimately the team I want to think the least about. If I was trying to come up with an anecdote and have it be the most boring team, it would always be the Minnesota Wild or the Arizona Coyotes. Those yeah. would be the two teams I would say. And it's just, I think they really want to be a little bit more exciting. So, well, I um, I, I can appreciate that, that, that philosophy. Yep. I would have gotten rid of Parise and I would have kept Ryan Suter. Yeah, I wonder... That guy's playing 22 minutes a night for the yeah. Dallas Stars, and they would have been a better team. Now, I don't know what's going on off the ice and whether or not, you know, they thought he was a clubhouse lawyer, uh, but 22 minutes still out of Ryan Suter could only have helped, in my opinion, yeah. the Minnesota Wild. I get, I get that. So I how long that. is their cap screwed for? Is it two more years? I think it's two more years. That you got to carry uh, those salaries, and then I think they they wash. Is to, this is the year where it's the worst, if I'm not mistaken? I think it's over seven million for Ryan Suter on the books this year. Yeah, I mean, I can pull this up, but yeah, yeah. it definitely it changes as it goes on. But I think this year in particular, they take it on the chin, or maybe it even gets worse after this. I don't know. Dead money, though. a lot of dead money for them to deal with. But. Okay. Yeah, it's a long time away. <laughs> yeah. Until then, what is it? It's twelve point seven four three point five eight eight million for the next three years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Actually, sorry, it's twelve million 
12743000 this year, and then it's $14,743,000. Oh, it So the two years after that, then it drops down to one point six. So you have three tough years here. Three years is a long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, bud. Oh, my God. <laughs> think, of what, think about what your Leafs will look like three years from now. Kipper, I just want to think about what they're going to do getting through this game against Reeves. I would love. Would you not? What would you pay to know what the Leafs roster would look like in 2026? Nothing, because I don't like to think for I would that. pay ungodly sums to know. I'm, I'm fascinated <laughs> to know you what that's be, like. You just want to be Biff from Back to the Future so you can make money, protect it. You want the, you want the almanac. I've got no morals. I, I would gamble like hell on that. <laughs> uh, my column came out today in the Toronto Star. I focused a little bit on that, on altering uh, the roster a little bit. Uh, we know that Timmins is on his way, won't play tomorrow, uh, but threw out some suggestions on some D-help. Okay. You, you think it's going to start clearing up a little bit more on uh, guys that are available? I had about five names in there. So I haven't seen it yet, but I do think as, as some teams fall out of playoff contention, they're interesting names. The only ones that are like big names, though, would be like, Dumba in the wild, they're like Eckholm on Nashville, but like those don't seem likely. So, who else did you have in the mix, Skippers? Potential? Well, the the first one that I said in a perfect world, and I think we did talk about Chikrin, this. By the way. Yeah, Chickren's uh, in there. Yeah, he's in there. I've, he's I've in moved there. on though. Uh, but you know, we're on to Croatia. The, the one, <laughs> the one that I think would be the 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 most logical in terms of Kyle's style. Is Carlson. Eric Carlson. Yes. yes. <laughs> He's got a lot of money for a lot of years uh, and could doesn't you, defend a but, lick. But could you could you get San Jose to pick up 50% of it. If I'm not mistaken, he's got a big nut. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, a big nut. nut. Yeah. It's a big nut. For, it's a big nut to carry. I, I think it's the term for me. It's like four yeah, more four years. Four nuts are equal. I oh. And I, I do mention that in my article, that yeah. uh, the, the obstacles are his age and the wear and tear. Yeah. And I, I don't even think that uh, the board or Brendan Shanahan would uh, green light it, even if Kyle came up with the assets to get him. Really? For me, that interests me. For me, I just don't think he's what they need, and I'm not dubious. Fifty million dollars for yeah, a guy they, that's they had, made that uh, they made that off us at the share club on Saturday night. I think they can afford fifty million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> the tequila bottle was. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think I, like, I don't I don't think that should be part of the equation. I don't think it's something they should do. But like, if they wanted to do it, I think they would give him the fifty million bucks to do I it. I just can't imagine being like the solution to the Leafs' problems here. Okay. So I, I can't imagine the solution is looking at these last five or six Leafs teams and being like, what if we added a guy who can score and doesn't defend? That would blow people's mind. However, I do look at this Leafs team and say, boy, PP1 with Eric Carlson? <laughs> like, Scary. Oh, that really changes things. I mean, really. They're instantly the best power play in the league. Uh, one name that I threw out was uh, Fabro. 24 years old, Nashville, right-handed shot. Dante. Dante. Okay. Yeah. That uh, David Poyle wants to, is is open to moving a defenseman. That's the name that I had heard. like that name. 17th uh, overall pick, what, four years ago maybe? Yeah. Five years ago. Okay. Just uh, looking this up. But. Dante Favreau. uh, Again. That is that 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 to <laughs> me that, that to me has a feel of uh they would want 
nice on that one because I'm oh. giving you a 24-year-old that's still got tremendous upside and can yeah. play large minutes yeah. and could could easily be a top four defenseman. Yeah. Would that make sense for the Leafs? Nice for this guy. Six feet tall, 190 pounds, uh, right nah, shot. Not big, not, uh, not big but, but still. If you're using the nice chip, you're hoping you're doing better than that, in my opinion. Okay, there are some people out there that aren't convinced that this guy is the next one. I am one of them. That's why you do okay. it now. That's why oh, you're, so not you're saying now. yes. No, I'm saying that I don't listen. I'm seeing. I'm saying both sides of this argument. I am one of the people that kind of believes that undercurrent that he maybe not be what everybody's projecting him to be. Yeah. But at the same time, I think there's enough sort of top prospect pixie dust on him at this very moment. For sure. That you could aim a little higher than potentially Dante Fabro if you're using that chip at this deadline. I'm completely like, fine. Uh, Matt Dumba. Yeah, but Matt Dumba is going to ask for $8 million next year, and are you going to pay Well, they that? have like 12 this, guys coming off the books next year. This may be the time for them to gonna be actually do a rental, like to actually rent a player. I know that's a faux pas, but, yeah, do you want to trade Nyes for a rental? That's scary. I'm not doing that. No chance. No. No. I I, I need I need a restrictive restricted uh, contract. I need control. I need to know a guy's not walking out the door like uh, Nick Foligno did. Ross Atkins over here need that control. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've we, gone down that path. Yeah. Yeah. So to the point where I get to give up a first rounder to get rid of somebody named Patrick Marlowe. So then, oh. and that was Seth Jarvis, by the way. That oh, should yeah, be a leaf. See any good? <laughs> Yeesh, so boys. he's a so Dante Fabro, like you said, he's an RFA after this season. He's two point four this year. So then you'd think that he's due for a a raise, yeah. When he's an RFA, but he can't. I don't think he can go into like a six, five, yeah, four, yeah. So that's somewhere there. To me, I I don't know. The Dumba thing is when you I wrote I read your article today. I always I really look forward to your articles. Thank Johnny, you, Johnny journalist. I always get Thank lots you. of good juicy stuff out of them. Thank you. But when you mentioned Dumba, that is what really piqued my interest. Yeah. I love Matt Dumba. I've always just, loved Matt I Dumba. I really like that he body checks people. Yeah, and he's just he's got a, he's got an fu to him. <laughs> yeah, I I love that guy. That is the one that really got me yeah. interested. And I I have no issues if they find a way to get him, but can you keep him? So you're, you got to start thinking that Muzzin's not coming back. Mm-hmm. So that that gives you your close to what what was Muzzin five six five, or five, five six nine? two five five six two five, plus you need to add to that. Mm-hmm. Could you get him for uh, seven seven two five? Can you convince him to come under Morgan? Yeah, Dumba. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's a, that's a good so, question soon though. To be. 30, I think. You know, just talking to Garen Maybe. there, you know, Maybe. they're trying to survive with a limited salary cap, and that involves keeping your good players. Do you think they would do it? Like, you'd have to wait till the deadline, till they're 100%. And, then, and they'd have to be failing. 100%. Many would have to be. Uh, Which I think they're going to get in. You do. I do. Yeah, let okay. me do a quick standing sort here. Yeah, right now on the outside looking in, in the Western Conference, you got Minnesota just outside the playoffs, and you got Nashville just outside the playoffs. Oh, I clicked a button. I shouldn't have clicked. But in, 
you have Seattle, you got Winnipeg, who's so-so. Like, there's some teams, I think, that could come out for those teams to get in. And then none of those guys are available. St. Louis is 10-9 there in a playoff spot. I know the Leafs. 10 goal diff. The Leafs have, uh, uh, they have interest in Klingberg, for sure. Oh, yeah. That, see, that I can see, because it's like Carlson light and the acquisition cost is less. The long term is non-existent. But then you want to sign them. That's even more of a pure rental. Yeah. Well, again, the the like, Dallas liked him. They just didn't like him when he for was years. asking for a gazillion dollars. They're like, no. wasn't he asking like eight times eight or was, something? Was, uh, if that, you got one times eight. I mean, <laughs> one times seven. Could have been times seven. Yeah, could have been a nine in there. That's how ridiculous it was. And it's like, no, no, no. We're not even. Yeah, you're moving on. Yeah, that's how. And he bet on himself. And right now, I don't think it's looking great. Uh, in Anaheim, mm-hmm. but they're they're really bad, and they're really bad. They're just those. You know why? They're, they're gonna have to wait. They're Hampus gonna have to Lindholm wait. Lindholm didn't look very good in in Anaheim either. Yeah, those orange jerseys slow you down five like, miles per hour because they're so ugly. You know, and you can point to a lot of different things in Boston. To me, that 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 was a shrewd move by God. Oh yeah. my gosh, it, it's changed. It's changed so much for them. And it, just for fun, that guy plays 24 minutes You're a right. night. Getting another number one guy, essentially, because like, he's got to be one of the 32 best defensemen yeah. in the league. So he, they got two number ones. Having another number one really changes that, that group. Completely, completely yeah. uh, the scope of the balance now that they have in their lineup. Mm. And let's face it, when, when, when Chara dropped off, even those last few years when he was not Chara as we knew him, yeah. it really affected the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Then Lindholm comes in and just drives it right back. Is he 30 years old or something? Yeah. That, and yeah. He's, he's, he's not Chara, but yeah. he's, he's Chara-like when it comes to uh, having a major influence in a hockey game. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just thinking of contracts as we were talking about it. That uh, Carolina just signed that Pyotr Kochikov, the goalie, four years at two million per, which is a crazy good. I think a smart risk for Carolina, like a, a good gamble. This guy looks like. Uh, I guess when they drafted him, they thought he was going to be in the class of Russian goalies, kind of like, you know, Sorokin and uh, Shosturkin and Vasilevsky. He was one of them. And now he's a few years removed from the draft. He's playing amazing. They get him for four years at two mil. It might be an amazing deal. Is your favorite goalie playing right now, Freddie Anderson, or is he hurt again? Like, I, I don't. I, whatever the case, no comments is, on that. I don't know. Whatever the case Probably is, Freddie would look at that contract and go, "Yeah, I'm done here. I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I guess Freddie's oh, no. 33 years old. Like so, and." The other goalies. Eight ninety one and eight games uh, this year. Ranta, right? Speaking of injuries, and they're both, if I'm not mistaken, on expiring contracts, right? Uh, Anderson, yeah, because he, after the trade, that was it, right? He just had another two years. So both those goalies right now are like the turkeys on the table today. They're cooked. Oh my god, Freddie's going to come back to the Leafs. Oh my god, no. Yes. He's going to cost like $2 million this year after he has an 890 in Carolina. They're no, going to need someone. No, thank you. Um, what's this guy? There's another guy you mentioned in your piece that I 
I have no thoughts or opinions. I've never even heard of him. The Russian guy from Columbus. Yes. Gavrikov. 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 Big, heavy six, guy. 6'3", six, three. Six, three, yes. uh, yeah. Big guy. And uh, he'll, slap, though. He'll, he'll, and who else? He'll get uh, Columbus a nice return. And he'll probably play out like uh, David Savard, where he can end up getting yourself a, a first rounder. And plus, now let's not forget, David Savard ended up in Tampa Bay. And I don't even think he played legit top four minutes. Right. No, right. He didn't. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Gavrikov will play out uh, as, as David Savard did uh, a few seasons ago. Yeah, there's some options. There's some options for these leafers. So can I go back to something and ask you guys a question? We kind of glossed over it before we broke to get to Garen. You guys would actually start Matt Murray in two games on the back-to-back if he's rolling? 100%. Oh, my yeah. God. You're gambling, man. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I had a point against the Islanders, and I, I, I lost it because of my other goalie. Yeah, I guess so, but boy. So here's something about that game that I was starting to get to the point we had to cut because Garen um, was waiting on us. The Simmons thing, dressing Simmons in that game tomorrow. So when I was uh, with the Leafs, we were, it was like a preseason game. The Leafs were playing Buffalo, and Buffalo dressed like a bunch of thugs, like just a, four different guys who had clear intent in preseason to prove themselves. And so the Leafs had a roster set but they were scrambling to replace guys to put in a couple people to answer that so Buffalo didn't just come in and beat the hell out of them. My point at the time was like, if you don't have those guys to fight on Buffalo, they're irrelevant. Like by dressing Simmons, don't you make Ryan Reeves relevant? If there's no one for him to engage with. Except Ryan likes the four check. Yeah, Ryan does more. and And he scares people. Yes. Okay? Yeah. I know... You want to have someone you who will have, go do it if they have uh, to. Say what you will about the oxygen that this guy sucks out of a, a dressing room for a second. Mika liked him. Chris Kreider liked him. And there's always something to be said when a guy like Ryan starts chirping at you and you can look and go, yeah, well, then talk to him, mm-hmm. right? Go yep. talk to him. Let's see how brave you are. Go talk to him. When you don't have that... Then it's just you having to, <laughs> to chirp them back. Like, yeah, well, right? yeah. And it's it's still there. I don't care uh, how the game's changed. Yeah. It's still there. I agree that Ryan Reese is a guy you almost certainly have to someone in, have someone in because he plays. Did he will talk Ryan to Reeves you. Ryan Reese forechecking. Uh, you want Victor Mete going back uh, behind his net to get a puck? With Reeves right on him, Mac Hollowell. I, I, like, his, I, Hollowell. I like his challenge. I like his chances better than Mac Hollowell's. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it, right? You know, I think there are those and, guys, and, and not many of them left. Who you just you don't need to dress no to, to fight against. But, you know, it used to be like but even Wayne wow, Simmons. Like if think about Wayne Seven Simmons and uh, uh, Maroon, right? At least Wayne will go to toe-to-toe with him and in, in ex- that exchange. Mm-hmm. You're and, right about the if, point where you just if, get to go, if listen, he's not there, deal with him. Then, then it's like, okay, who's going to listen to it? Mm-hmm. Marner, Matthews, Tavares. 
Aston Reeves. If there's no one there, Ryan Reeves probably can stand in front of the Leafs bench and just pick Marner and go, I'm going to eat you for lunch. Yeah. And, and Mitch is going to go, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, Bunting's going to dive, so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I guess. It's just, it. it's and still there. I know there's, like, the analytics people who are listening going, just don't acknowledge them. You just go play. Just, just don't look them in the just eye. Just skate around them. Just go score. Yeah, and then what they should do is just uh, listen to Lindy and close their computers. <laughs> yeah. Close your computers. Get yes. to know people. Just to, it's get, a human get, sport. Get to know uh your players and who's intimidated and who's not. Very true. So we still have a bunch of clips. Uh, hold on. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, what do we have? Uh, I want. Uh, we have not discussed Nick Robertson out of the lineup in the lineup tomorrow. Out of the lineup, thought he was fine. I said pregame on TV. I said D men cannot be noticed, and it's fine. Nick had to be noticed. He was didn't do anything that made me go wow. I didn't. I honestly don't remember one thing. Do you yeah. remember one thing? Good four check. No. He got a puck and then yeah. protected it well and passed it to the point. Yeah, once. he didn't cost you the game. Absolutely not. But it's he's got to create a shot for himself, some opportunities. He just if you're going to produce, be an offensive producer, you got to produce a little but offense. I think. Did you? Was it you that was talking with the Borny? But it seems that his first three shifts in the game, he's like, I am about to put on a master class of hockey. Trying. He's like, here we go. Time yeah. to try. Yeah. And then it completely runs out. You don't notice him again. Like, I thought his first couple of shifts, you're like, holy crap, Robertson's really, it's, it's really worked. The yeah. benching's really worked. And then it's just, he can't keep up the level and he's not there anymore. Their work rate, Sammy. The work rate. The work rate's impossible to, to maintain. So we talked about European kick hockey yesterday. The work mm. rate for Canada was marvelous. We're, we're not talking before Canada's next game, but big, <laughs> we're, one, big, we're big one on Sunday. Working his bag off. What did you Hold think on. of uh, the coach and his uh F Croatia? Uh, yeah, F Croatia. Who said that? Um, Herdman did? Yeah. yeah. Ooh. He well, said, no, but he, he said, but it, you got to get the, the right uh, context here. And that was, he's, someone asked him right, right off, uh, I guess, uh, the scrum that he had with his own team. And it's like, what did you say to the players? And oh, it's okay. like, get ready. Him. And he, it's, it's, it's that, a fearlessness thing they're going for. He, they just caught him at a moment where I don't think he gave too much thought on it and he was, Trying to be uh, candid. Yeah. And I guess many people uh, found it disrespectful. I- I'm including sure. Including Croatians. Yeah. <laughs> I- I- I'm sh- you I'm- don't say. I'm sure one of the proudest, grittiest soccer countries on planet Earth won't take that the wrong way from a minnow that's never been in the World Cup before. <laughs> sure, that won't matter at all. the final last World Cup, Cro- were they like, not? That's, listen, Belgium's one thing, but they're soft. They're soft team. They're very leafsy, very oh, we're soft. Look at so is a thousand years old. But we're, we're scoring a goal. We may score a goal, but Croatia is not Belgium. They're gritty, pedigree, scary dudes. You, see, you remind me of Sheldon Keefe right now because you know what Sheldon Keefe does? Whoever you play, he tells you they're the best team in the world. He, it's like, and actually, we actually have a clip of him doing that with Jersey about best offensive, best defensive. Doesn't matter what team. Now Sammy's like, well, Belgium. <laughs> Belgium. You're, Let me tell you about over, Croatia. Yeah, you're over-respecting them right now. I was always more afraid. Just to fra- balance out. No, it's not true. I was always more afraid of Croatia than Belgium. Ah, always. Don't believe that for a second. They're, they got you- pedigree, man. They, they don't, they're not constant disappointments. That's Belgium. Croatia, <laughs> yeah. they, they show up. Oh, yeah. Like, this is going to be a tough... Like, people are like, oh, if they played like that, like they did against Belgium, yeah, they'd be gay, but they're really good. Yeah. So, anyways...
Love it. Do we have any games tonight? Shout out to my boy Johnny Bravo, my Croat buddy. Going to watch the game with him on Sunday. He's got a viewing party. He'll be wearing his checkers, I think. But and we have no games. They they schedule no games during no hockey games. Nope, nothing. Is that always the case? Yes. Fear of the NFL. I don't even know. So then you can go home and watch. I think it's is it Pat's Vikings tonight? Pat's Vikings. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Okay. Our thanks to Billy Garen, Gary Galley, and Stu Gavin. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We are back on Monday. Post game tomorrow. Post game tomorrow. Check us out. Real Kipper and Born. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night.